I'm Malia, and this is Big Dreams, Bold Moves, the podcast inspiring families like yours to discover endless possibilities for living abroad. In this podcast, you will hear from experienced expats and experts around the world. We'll learn how to get visas, make money, and find jobs abroad. We'll get a behind-the-scenes look at what everyday life with kids is really like in different countries and get you the answers you need to go from daydreaming to international move-making. Now... Let's oh, hello. Are you all ready to go to New Zealand? I think at some point, every English speaker that has ever explored the idea of living abroad has at least considered New Zealand. I know I've often thought of it as some kind of utopia where the people are laid back and the food and wine are incredible and there are just endless outdoor adventures to be had. But what's it really like to move there with a family? Today's guest, Madeline Nash from the Bumble Bomb blog, is going to share her family's story of leaving the U.S. to live a life that was more truly in line with their values. She shares her experience with relocation, health care, child care, finding housing, and more. Spoiler alert, it sounds pretty darn good. So without further ado, please welcome Madeline Nash. Hello, Madeline, and welcome to Big Dreams, Bold Moves. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm so excited. Um, I have a huge crush on New Zealand, so I can't wait to hear more about life there and how one can get there because I've been doing my own research on it. But first, I'd love to hear what your life was like before New Zealand. Yeah, so I lived in Austin, Texas with my husband, John, and we've got two little kids, uh, Robert and Meadow, who are now three and five. Um, when we started the whole process of looking into countries and where we wanted to move to, though, they were one and three, so they were still quite little. Um, and, you know, we, we lived a pretty typical uh, Austin, Texas lifestyle. You know, we uh, stayed inside all summer because it was too hot. Um, but we did have, uh, you know, a strong family and friend network there. That was great. Both my husband and I are native Texans. Um, and so it was, it was really kind of a big decision to, to leave, but we were very motivated and very excited and it took a while. It took about, uh, not quite two years, but, you know, over a year and a half between when we initially thought about leaving the U S to actually landing in Auckland, New Zealand, where we are now. So let's go back. Were you both working in Texas? So I joke that I work for a three and a five-year-old. Um, Pre-kids, I worked in the technology field. I worked for some uh, uh, in the video conferencing space. I actually ran grant teams for companies that were trying to get equipment into schools and hospitals. Um, I left my job when I started having kids. They're 22 months apart, so life is a little crazy with them. Um, my husband is in the business consulting world, and um, about 18 months before we started all of this, he had actually left his big corporate job and started his own company. So he was running um, his own company in the U.S., and um, all of all, all that 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 goes with that. You know, when you're running your own company, you kind of wear 87 different hats, and life is a little crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds a little crazy. Yes. And with two little kids on top of that, um, we were definitely in the thick of it. 
Yeah. And before you decided to move abroad, had you been big travelers or had you traveled much as a family? So we, this is really funny, actually, because my husband and I had both traveled a fair amount individually. We had traveled some as a couple, but we hadn't done that much big traveling as a family. I mean, our kids were one and three. So just the logistics of getting to the grocery store can be daunting at that point, let alone <laughs> packing everyone up, getting on a plane and, and going somewhere. We had and running a, few a company. And running a company. And, you know, I, I'm, I was one of those moms who was real strict about the sleep schedule. Like, you know, you do not mess with the sleep schedule because then the world falls apart. Um, and so actually our first big trip as a family was, uh, and, our, and our first big flight was the Houston to Auckland flight. So about 14 and a half hours was um, our first big foray <laughs> into travel with the kids. We jumped Going in with all feet. in. Yeah, jumping yeah. in with both feet, totally. <laughs> oh my goodness. So how did the decision um, to move abroad come about? Was it an opportunity that you went for or was it really a decision to expatriate and find a new place to live? Yeah, it was uh, a lifestyle decision for sure. Um, we were part of that group that started checking out immigration websites the night of the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't so much that we thought that, oh my gosh, Trump is going to be this, is this huge problem, which we do feel, but it was more like, wow, this is a really big indicator that this lifestyle that we're living in the U.S. and this path that this country is going down is there's something really wrong with it. And we don't want our children to grow up in this environment where there is so much toxicity, there is so much conflict. We want to find somewhere where our kids can be kids. Um, and as we went through this process of kind of thinking, where do we want to live? We really came up with three criteria and we went shopping for a country. So the first was it had to be English speaking because my husband is horrible at languages. Um, and when he was actually, you know, I guess about you know, 20 years ago at this point, he spent a year in Shenzhen, China for work. And he said, by the end of the year, I could almost get around in a taxi. Like that was the, the extent of his language skills. So he really wanted English speaking. Um, we didn't want to be somewhere where it was dark a lot of the year. Um, we had both spent a lot of time in Chicago. In fact, my husband lived for six years there. And he said, those winters just killed me. It was too dark. I need somewhere where there's some sunshine and where I can get outside and be active. Um, and our third criteria was that we needed some place with an easy to understand business culture because my husband does run his own business. So he needed somewhere where he could transfer pretty seamlessly into that environment and wouldn't have to spend a whole lot of time just trying to learn the system and learn the rules. Um, and so really quickly, we narrowed into New Zealand and Australia. And a little bit arbitrarily, we, we put New Zealand above Australia. Um, neither of us had ever spent any time outside. Well, my husband had spent uh, one day in the Sydney airport at one point in his life. But outside of that, neither of us had been to New Zealand or Australia. So we thought, well, we'll start here. You know, we got to start somewhere. This is as good a place as any. Um, 
and we started doing a lot of research um, and talking to a lot of people and understanding what our options are and where we could, you know, where there was the most potential and the most opportunity um, to figure out if this was even something that was realistic or if we were just crazy and this was never going to happen. And did you find any great resources that you remember now? Um, actually, you know, uh, INZ, Immigration New Zealand, uh, giving them a call and talking to the people there was amazingly helpful. They are, you know, one of the big differences that I've noticed between the U.S. and New Zealand is that here, yes, there are bureaucracies when you're dealing with any government entity, but here I really feel like the, the, the individuals who are working there are trying to help you and trying to clear the red tape, not add more to it. Um, and I found this in, in all sorts of, you know, different, different examples since we've moved here. But um, later on, even when we were, we came on a scouting trip before we actually moved, we're like, well, maybe we should visit before we pack up our whole lives. Um, that could be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, that sounds like a great idea. Um, it, you know, we called, we were in Wellington for a few days and we called up Immigration New Zealand and said, hey, we're here with our kids. We would love to just have an adult night out. Can you recommend a babysitter for us? And they did. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I mean, I'm coming for you, New Zealand. And and she was amazing. She was like one of the best babysitters we've ever had. And so, it, you know, the parents out there know that finding a, a good babysitter is like finding gold. I mean, you, you know, you treasure that. Um, but immigration New Zealand, even, you know, and I don't think, I don't know if that's normal or not, but that was our experience was we could call them up even when we, you know, even when we weren't even in and say, here's a problem that we're facing. Can you help us solve it? Oh so gosh, that is incredible. Yeah. Highly recommend just picking up the phone and calling Immigration New Zealand. Um, they have been wonderfully helpful. Um, and then the second thing that we did, um, which is a little pricey, but definitely helped us think through the paperwork process of getting a visa is we actually talked to uh, quite a few immigration advisors here in New Zealand. And we really went around and, and interviewed them like you would hire, you know, like you would do before you hired anyone until we found someone who we were um, comfortable with. And, and they really helped us think about, okay, here's what you want to, here's, here's all the things that you're going to need as you put together this application. Here's how you need to approach it, you know, through each phase and each process. And just having that little bit of expertise so that we didn't, um, you know, wonder like, oh my gosh, are we screwing this up? Yeah, are we are not we understanding this right? Exactly. That was, that was hugely helpful. So definitely call around. Um, there's lots of companies in New Zealand because it is such a, a multicultural and multinational society here. I mean, there's people everywhere who can help with that. So take advantage of those resources for sure. And was that an agency that just pretty much helps with the immigration piece or do they also help with um, like finding housing and getting you set up with childcare yeah. or things when you hit the ground? No, it was just the immigration piece, just the paperwork okay. piece. Um, you know, I, so, and I, and I think because we are an English speaking family and we were moving to an English speaking country, um, it was, it was more like just moving to a new city 
than than anything. And so, you know, we've had our we've had our struggles, right? I mean, just finding, you know, what's the best grocery store to visit? How do I find a doctor? Um, you know, what is what are our schooling options for our kids? Many of those decisions were pretty much just like moving to another city with the twist that there are so many different programs in New Zealand that there was a bit of a learning curve on that. You know, for example, um, I put out on one of the Facebook mom groups here, you know, hey, can anyone recommend a good dentist for my kids? And it was radio silence and I couldn't figure out why. Like, <laughs> we need, everyone goes to the dentist, right? And finally someone commented back, they're like, well, have you signed your kids up for the dental program? Here's the link. And as it turns out here, like kids until they're 13 are just signed up in a dental program. It's free. And you, your kid just like goes to the dentist at school. And so I, I mean, I just had no idea. And so my, my question about a pediatric dentist was like a novelty question. No one had thought about that. So I learned but there, you know, there are just some weird little quirks like that that I ran into. Oh my gosh. That just almost sounds like it's all too easy. Is it too easy? <laughs> it too oh, easy? It's incredible. It's incredible. So the, the national health program here, you know, we, so we moved in June and we're in the Southern hemisphere. So that's winter. So we had new school germs, winter germs. And it was, I was like, we're going to get sick and we're going to get sick fast because we've just got everything lined up against us. So like our third day on the country, you know, we, we walked into, you know, a local doctor's office that looked fine. And we said, we're new in town. We'd like to sign up as your doctors. What do you know, with you as our doctor, what do we do? And they said, okay, well, here's a three page form to fill out. We need a copy of your visa. Uh, and then you're signed up. And really, that's it. Like, I mean, it was literally like the shortest health form I've ever seen. So we took everything home, we filled it out, we brought it back the next day. Um, and then the day after that, my daughter had a fever and was complaining that her ear hurt. So took her into the doctor, we were already signed up for the health program here, we got in to see a doctor in like an hour and a half, we had a wonderful meeting with the doctor, and it was free. And that Amazing. was it. it was so easy. And do you feel like that's typically your experience when you've needed um, urgent healthcare? Yeah, I mean, the, the healthcare system here is amazing. So on that first visit with a new doctor, I mean, she was amazing. She sat down and said, okay, you're new. Do you know where to go if there's an emergency on the weekend? And I'm like, I have no idea. Where do I go? And she, you know, wrote down all the different urgent and emergency care places near us. She said, you know, here's Starship. This is where you go if there is like crazy, you know, limbs are missing, blood's everywhere, you're really scared, that's where you go. You know, this is the children's hospital. It's fantastic. You're like, but if it's just something, you know, here's four other places where you can go if there's a really you know, if there's a weird cough that's making you anxious on Saturday night, or, you know, you need stitches or something minor like that, here are the good places for that. And she really took the time to sit down and kind of walk me through how things worked in New Zealand. And, um, 
you know, for, so again, for kids, the, the healthcare is, is free and that includes prescriptions. So, you know, she gave me a prescription for antibiotics for my doctor, for my daughter, but she also gave me a prescription for the equivalent of Tylenol and ibuprofen. So that, that was free for us. And she's like, just walk downstairs, go to the pharmacy, hand them this, they'll give you your prescriptions and you're, and you're good to go. And it took like five minutes to get all of those filled. It was incredible. That's so. so nice. That it's the same here in Germany. Uh, yeah. You get prescriptions for things like ibuprofen, Tylenol, and it makes it all free. And I think I save like hundreds a year on just oh, that benefit alone. It's insane. So when we were back in the states, um, my husband had quit his corporate job. We were on Cobra health insurance for that as long as we could be. But then our move to New Zealand kept getting kind of pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. And finally, we realized we had to figure out a health insurance solution for us because we weren't going to be able to stay on his COBRA policy any longer. And it was going to be something like $1,900 a month in premiums for our family, plus a $12,000 deductible. And then we move here and it's like, oh my gosh, we are saving so much money. And the 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 attention that we've received from doctors here has been incredible, honestly, better than our really good doctors in the U.S. I mean, our appointments are longer. They really listen. Um, Do you know how much it does cost? Do you pay um, to be a part of that public system or do you have private insurance or do you pay like a tax? So for kids, it's just, part of taxes. Uh Um, For adults, there, there are some fees, but what's great is that there is a menu, literally. Like when you walk into a doctor's office, you know exactly what their fees are going to be. And for, for accidents, there's actually a, a public program called ACC. So for example, I was at a yoga class and I hurt my shoulder And my yoga teacher said, okay, here's what you're going to do. Here's the doctor you need to go see. You're going to fill out an ACC form, tell them I did it. And that's it. I mean, I had an ultrasound on my shoulder. It was free. I was going for physical therapy and uh, I was going to see an osteopath for it. And there were some small charges for that, but it was like 30 30 New Zealand dollars, which is like 21 US dollars. I mean, it was very, very low. Um, When I, I, I went to go get uh, uh, I went to visit my doctor to get my annual, you know, pap and all of that, $10. I mean, it's really inexpensive and you know what you're getting into ahead of time. There you don't is get any op- surprise like bills in the mail a couple months no. later. <laughs> no, nothing like that. And, and there is a private insurance option. So, and, and people use that, um, you know, the, the example I've heard is, you know, if you get, when you get older and let's say you need a hip replacement and you don't want to go through the public system because it's not an emergent issue. It's just something that's kind of chronic. There can be weights for that. So you get private insurance so that you can go to the private system and kind of jump ahead of the line for things like that. And I'm like, okay, so I got private insurance for us and it's, 162 New Zealand dollars a month to be part of the private program. So that's, you know, 110 US dollars a month, something like that. And I don't, you know, I'm probably not going to need it for, I hope, knock on wood, for years and years and years, but it's so cheap compared to the US. (laughs) I mean, 
ridiculous. It's like, yes, sign me up for all the insurance. I'll take it. It's great. Yeah. Coming from the U S you're just, you just bleed money for insurance and then, and then you need it and you actually go to use it and you still have to pay the deductible and you often get a bunch of bills back in the mail. It's very anxiety producing. It's incredible. So May of last year. So this was a month before we came to New Zealand. Um, my son fell out of his treehouse and needed 11 stitches under his chin. That turned out to be an $11,000 ordeal for which we were still getting bills like six months ago. <laughs> and it's like this, just like I tell that story to people here in New Zealand and their jaws just drop. They're like 11,000 American dollars. Oh my gosh, that, that would never happen here. It's like, no, only in the U.S., <laughs> Yeah. So that's one of the things that you were saying no to is the insanity of healthcare costs. Oh, oh my gosh. It was, and what's really funny is people always complain about how expensive New Zealand is. And there are some things here that are legitimately much more expensive than they are in many places in the U.S. But I, I have to point out, I'm like, when you look at the overall picture and the things that you're not having to pay thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars for it's really a pretty good deal like there's a lot there's a lot of pluses so so um what else is a better deal there in New Zealand like let's talk about child care or like early ah. child um education early child yeah so that's that's great here um they there are so many different options uh so the the Education system here is a little bit different. Um, Kids can start school, like regular, you know, public school, any day after their fifth birthday, no matter where in the school year that falls. And the school year here is a little bit different too. So the school year begins either end of January, beginning of February, and runs through the calendar year. Um, So you might have kids starting school at the beginning of the year, you might have kids starting school in May, in June, in September, you know, wherever that is in the year. No, no kid has to start school until they're six. So from between three and six, they can participate in subsidized early childhood education. So the government will subsidize up to 20 hours a week of early childhood education, and you can pick how you know, where you want that to go. So there are tons and tons of centers around the country where that subsidy will actually cover the full 20 hours. There are other centers, and especially in Auckland where things are more expensive, where the subsidy doesn't cover the full cost. So the parents will just be paying a discounted cost for that period of time. Um, And there are even some in-home care providers who can take advantage of that early childhood education credit. So you have a lot of choices as a parent on how, how you want to use that money, where you want to send your kids, if you want to use it at all. Um, but we have found that New Zealand as a whole is so much more family-centric that the early childhood education options here can be are, are generally amazing. I mean, they're, they're really great. In fact, that was one of the reasons why when we came over in June last year, we thought we were going to come over for 90 days and then head back to the U.S. And we're like, well, this is great. It's summer in the U.S. The kids aren't in preschool. We'll just come over to New Zealand. We have our visas. We'll stick them in school here. And then we've got childcare. (laughs) And 
and then you know things changed and we ended up staying but um but that was actually like one of the big draws was that there was this this subsidy that we could take advantage of and it was and, really and how does it shake out compared to like what you would have been quoted for childcare in the US or what you know people are paying in the US Yes. So we were paying, so for my son who um, was in a five-day week Montessori program in the U.S., we were paying about $1,100 a month for that program. And how many Um, hours was that a week? It was from about 8.30 to 2.30, so seven times, 35 hours a week. Um, So it was was a very good program. Um, and, And we paid about, we paid yeah, it was right at $1,100 a month. Um, so here in New Zealand, um, it could have been anything from the first 20 hours free and maybe you're paying 15 to $20 an hour after that. Mm-hmm. Um, for some centers, you know, all the way up to really fancy private schools or, you know, it's the same amount. But there is that that huge choice, right? I mean, and there's everything in between. There's Montessori programs here. There's Montessori programs that are part of the public school system even. So you could go to a public school that has, and your kid is in the Montessori program all the way through high school. They also have that, I think, for Waldorf schools in some areas and a few other, maybe Steiner schools. I'm not sure of all the options, but there are some, you know, specialty teaching resources like that, that are just part of the public Mm. schools. And is it pretty Um, easy to get into the places you want or are there wait lists? So just like in the U.S., there are catchment areas, there are districts. So they are ranked by decile, so decile 1 to 10. And that decile ranking is based on the socioeconomic status of that catchment area. So it's not exactly a correlation with the quality of the school, but like the U.S., there is some correlation there. Um, so decile 10 schools are the wealthy districts, decile one are the low districts. Um, and there are, you know, so people kind of move to the districts where they want to be in and where the schools are. Um, and, and, and people do shop around. Like when, when people are moving, I know that they look, they're like, if, you know, we were talking to a family that was moving here from California and they really wanted their kids to be in these Montessori programs. And so they were only looking for housing in the school catchment areas that have these programs. So, um, you know, you, you got to do your research just like anywhere, but there are those options out there. And how is finding housing? Were you, did you find your place from the U.S. or did you go there and seek out a place? No. So, okay. New Zealand has a really awful housing um, reputation and Auckland in particular. (laughs) They're like, you hear these horror stories. Um, If you're coming to New Zealand, definitely plan on staying in an Airbnb or a hotel or with friends or something for a while because really people are not going to rent to you and unless you're here. Um, and there they are- They want to meet now, you in person. Yeah, they really do. And honestly, you want to be here to actually see the place that you're renting because I can tell you there are some places where the pictures look gorgeous <laughs> online and then you get here and you know New Zealand is a damp country. It rains a lot and you get here and you're like, oh my gosh, I need a hazmat suit to be in this house. It smells disgusting. What is growing in here? There's no way I want to touch anything. So that is absolutely an issue. 
there are some scary housing options here. You want to be here and actually see okay. the property. And so it's not it. worth uh, sitting and stressing on the computer before you move to New Zealand over what no, is available. I mean, get on the ground yeah, and then take a look. Yeah. I mean, get on the computer and just do your research so you can learn about, okay, here's what I need to budget for. Here's different areas that are in my price range. Here's what I can kind of expect. Definitely do that research. And actually a great resource for that is a, is a website called Trade Me. That's huge in New Zealand. Um, that's where you can find anything and everything. It's kind of like Craigslist, eBay, Facebook Marketplace, like all wrapped up into one. Um, and so you can, you go to the property section and you can put in all your search criteria and it's great. Uh, so typically how it works, at least here in Auckland is that, uh, we would get on trade me, kind of do our search viewings and open houses would pop up and we would say, okay, we're interested in seeing you these four houses. Here's when they're having viewings and the viewings might seriously be 15 minutes long, 15 minutes long, 30 minutes is kind of the normal. So you've got a very tight window. Um, and you go, you will probably see a lot of other people there looking at any given property. I mean, I feel like house hunting is a national sport here. Um, everyone is doing it all the time, whether they're actually thinking about moving or not. Um, and you'll go in, you'll walk the house, you'll see if it's something that you're actually interested in. If you are interested in it, definitely talk to the agent and make an impression. Like, don't like, like outwardly schmooze, but just have a conversation and talk with them and, you know, show them that you're a nice person who's normal and sane and can keep a property in good condition. Um, and then there's the whole paperwork process. So you're going to need, you know, some type of letter showing that you've got a job with an income or money in the bank or whatever it is. Um, I, I, and actually this is, I, I put a whole post up on my, on my blog, bumblemom.com about here's the family intro letter that we use. Here's the letter for our dogs that we used. Here's, you know, all the pieces of paper that we put together and we would hand into the agent um, because they are going to get multiple applications for a property most likely. Um, and so you've got to make an impression and hopefully a good one. Um, usually they're pretty good about getting back and letting you know if you got a house or where you are on the list of people who, who have been approved for the house. Um, and then you've got to move really quickly. It's like, yes or no, yes or no. There's not a lot of time to contemplate. We apparently did this really well. We looked at a ton of houses. We uh, ended up putting in applications on four and we ended up getting all four. And three of those houses had initially said no pets, but we got in with our dog within all four of those houses. So I know that there are lots of horror stories about <laughs> getting housing, especially in Auckland, but it is in fact doable. And how um, long did it take you from the time um, you started applying to getting moved into your place? So we, uh, so the house that we ended up moving into, they still had a tenant in it when they were putting it back on the market. So we uh, walked into this house one afternoon Literally, like we, we spent 10 minutes walking the house. We handed the agent all of our paperwork in hard copy and said, we want this house. We have been approved for some other houses. So we need to know this afternoon if we can get this house or not, because we have to let these other houses know. 
She wasn't able to get back to us that afternoon. She got back to us the next morning. We got the house, had contracts signed that afternoon. Um, the tenants moved out like three weeks later and they cleaned the house and we moved in right after that. Okay. So, so you were in temp housing for, for like a month or two? Um, I would, I would, we were in temp housing for four months, but that's because we were initially only planning on staying here for 90 days and then things changed, but I would plan on, you know, get an Airbnb for a month. Most houses, um, or there, well, not most houses, there are a lot of housing options where you could move in the next day if you can get approved and get a contract signed. Um, that is not an unusual thing. So we, we were, we really wanted this house that's in a great location for us. And so we, we went forward with it, even though we couldn't move in right away. Nice. So, um, also, if you're coming from the U.S., it's going to take you at least that long to get your container here. Right. Moving stuff to New Zealand is not quick. <laughs> so. And you brought a dog with you. We did. We lived in Australia almost 10 years ago. And we had a dog when we moved there and the process was going to be insane for bringing a dog from the U S into Australia because it's rabies free. Is it the same story in New Zealand? It, it, it is difficult. Um, so fortunately, if you're coming from the U S um, there's most of the work you do ahead of time. I mean, there is a whole slew of, vaccines and a very strict timeline and regiment that you have to follow. We actually hired a company, Pet Relocation, to walk us through this. And let me tell you, they were amazing. Um, I feel like potentially I could have done it myself, but they really showed their value the day before our dog was supposed to leave uh, for the U.S. Her initial flight from Austin to Los Angeles was on Delta, and Delta canceled all animal transports the day before she was supposed to leave. And if that had been me, I mean, I was already here. I would have, I would have had no idea what to do, but they called me, you know, and said, okay, here's what's happened. Delta has canceled all pet transports for the next three days, but we have Bijou on an American flight. We're going to reroute her through San Francisco. She's not going to miss her, her flight to, to Auckland from there. She will still be there in time so she can enter quarantine and you will get her out of quarantine on Christmas Eve. I mean, they handled it. Like I didn't even know there was a problem until there was already a solution in place. Which Amazing. Was awesome. Cause that yeah. could have been so stressful. Well, we had, and we had set the expectation with the kids like, Hey, the dog's going to be here for Christmas. And if that had not happened, it would have been, it would have ruined Christmas, which would have been really bad. You said that was um, pet relocation. Pet relocation, um, they were great, and they do this all the time. I'll add um, that to the show notes for this episode. Yeah, they were, they were really great to work with. Um, but there is, it, it, is not, it is not cheap. Um, there is a 10-day quarantine when the dog gets here, but it's just 10 days, and i got to say the facilities were really, I mean, you know, as good as you can expect for a quarantine facility, and the people there were super nice. Um, there are a lot, there are shots and blood draws. And if you are at all thinking about moving a dog to New Zealand, make sure you have a microchip in place and then get your rabies titer test done right away. Cause that's the one that takes the longest. There's a 90 day wait period after that blood draw, uh, before you can travel. Okay. So yeah. Good advice. So tell us more about 
what is life like there now in New Zealand? What's your first impression in those first months, like once you got settled into your house and started getting into a routine? Mm-hmm. So one thing that we noticed, even on our on our kind of reconnaissance trip to New Zealand, is how incredibly family friendly and family supportive New Zealand is. And that was honestly one of the biggest draws for us. And this even started, I remember, queuing up for the plane in Houston to Auckland. As you can imagine, you know, my my one-year-old had been on like a plane once, maybe twice before, and neither of my kids had ever been on a flight this long. I I don't even think I had been on a flight that long before. And I was really nervous about how this was going to go down because it could go in a lot. It could be ugly. <laughs> you know, anyone who's traveled with kids on a plane knows that it has the potential to get really ugly really fast. And even just lining up there, the people were coming up to me and talking to me. They're like, oh, how exciting. How old are your kids? Are they so excited about getting on the plane? Don't worry about them on the plane. Everything will be fine. And completely unsolicited, people were coming up to me and calming me down, which was so indicative of how Kiwis approach parenthood. You know, it's going to be fine. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to give you an evil stink eye because your kid is acting up on a plane. That's just not how it is. Um, On that first flight, I was having a tough time getting my daughter down and the flight attendant came by and put on my husband's, you know, tray table, uh, an extra glass of the wine that I had ordered with my dinner for me after she was down. You know, it's those little things. Gestures, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, thank you. Yes, I'm going to need another glass of wine after this. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. signs too that we're doing the right thing. And I feel like those yes. are like signs, like you're on the right path. These are your yes. people. Yes, exactly. And it's like you get to the Auckland airport and there's a family line when you're going through immigration. So you don't have to wait in that big line if you've got kids under 12. Thank you. I mean, waiting in a huge line with kids who have been on a plane for 14, 15 hours is terrible. But, you know, yeah. there you go. It's real short. Just walk through. Um you know, you go to all of the cafes here and a good chunk of them have little play corners for the kids so that you, the adults can sit down and enjoy their coffee and the kids have something to do that's novel and entertaining for them. And there's just so many of these little things that show that families are supported here that we love, absolutely love. Um, you know, my, my son is five now, and so he's in, you know, a regular school, and there are all these opportunities for parents to get involved and participate, and the parents are able to do that. They're able to take time off of work. They're expected to take time off of work and go, you know, participate in the parent coffee one morning or to help out in the classroom on Fab Fridays or, you know, whatever the activity is, go to the cross-country event. There's so much support for parents to let them do those things that it makes a huge difference. It's incredible. I love that. And how do you feel like you have changed as a family since you've been living in New Zealand? I feel like we are embracing a lifestyle that allows us to connect more as a family. Um, 
because there's not a culture so much of overschedule the kids and put them into every activity. There's not um, a culture where, you know, the, the parents have to work from dawn until dusk and check emails in bed. You know, we, uh, we are encouraged on school breaks to take time off and go on a trip as a family. Um, our kids are so much closer now because, and, and honestly, it's because we didn't know anyone when we landed here. I mean, we, we had no village. And so the kids have gotten so much closer to each other. And I think that's a bond that they're going to have as they grow up. Um, I just love how much more relaxed it is here. I don't feel like there's this pressure to go, go, go and perform and to, you know, be the best at everything. It's, it's just much more relaxed and much more, Hey, you know what? Go for a walk, go to the playground. The playgrounds here are the most incredible thing I've ever seen. You would never find playgrounds like these in the U S they encourage everyone to take risks and, um, you know, have some excitement. And, you know, you, you see all these uh, tourist promotional videos about New Zealand, about like the bungee jumping and right. the giant swings over the canyons and the windsurfing. And it's actually like that. I mean, we're, you see people out windsurfing all like in the middle of storms, just going out because it's a fun thing to do. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It really is like that. So we're adopting that little bit more carefree. Let's just go do something together and have a great time doing it. Well, I love reading your blog, The Bumble Mom, and following you on Instagram. I feel like you give such an honest inside look into what it's like to live in New Zealand as an expat. Yeah. Um, so there's some of our adventures, tips on moving, things that are weird about New Zealand. Um, so I, I've really been enjoying kind of trekking our journey on that. And I'm on Instagram at The Bumble Mom. Um, and I've written a book about our adventure to New Zealand and what it took to get here and all the ups and downs. So I'm currently looking for an agent or publisher who might be interested. Um, it's called Immigrants from Trump's America. So if there's anyone who wants to reach out to me about that, probably going to bumblemom.com is the best way to do it. Awesome. Yeah, I love um, your different posts that you have showing like exactly what things do cost and where you find them and where you shop. Because when you do first arrive in a new country, that is exactly what you want to know. Like, where yeah. can I get an alarm clock or something super <laughs> random? How much is it going to cost me? Am I yeah. going to the right store? Where can I get barbecue sauce? It's just weird things like that. Oh, I know. And it's like, you know, looking for an ironing board here turned out to be quite an adventure because I'm sorry, there is no ironing board that is worth $300. It's just, <laughs> right? there's, there's some things that are insane and it takes some research. So if you're, if you're at all curious about, um, you know, where you can find a reasonably priced ironing board in New Zealand, Bumble Mom is the place to <laughs> find Check out that information. Out. Is there anything else you feel like people should know if they're considering a move to New Zealand? Um, I know that's a big question. Yeah, that's a big question. Something is that where, like maybe something you could write a book on? Yes, it is. Or um, a blog? Both, actually. It's incredible. <laughs> um, I, I will say something, and there's been a lot of interest in New Zealand since the Christchurch shooting. Um, 
and we, we moved from Texas. And one of the big things that we found as we were going through this process and one of the motivating factors for us to, oh my gosh, we are getting out. Um, we started going through to parent tours for schools for our son, who is about to be of that age where he was going to start going to school. And the, the people, the, the administrators were spending 15 minutes of a 60-minute tour on live shooter protocol for that school. And my husband and I kind of looked at each other and we were like, this is not right. This is not what our educators should be doing. This is not an environment we want our kids to be in. This is not something that we think is the way to live. Like there, there is something seriously wrong with this. And when we moved to New Zealand and we were looking at schools, um, I met another American family whose, whose mom was a teacher in the U.S. And she also had a preschool age son. And she, and she said, you know, I was looking at all of these schools and there was one that I loved, but they didn't tell me what their emergency protocol was. And I almost didn't pick that school because, because of that, because I have it so ingrained in my mind that there needs to be a protocol in place for an active shooter. And she's like, I realize that in New Zealand, I don't have to think that way anymore. Like that, that risk is so much lower here than it was in the U S it was a total shift in my perspective on how I approach things. And, and we kind of laughed about that. And we realized that we had been carrying around that weight and that burden almost unconsciously but we were, it was literally like a, a weight being lifted off when we moved here. And then Christchurch happened. And I cannot emphasize enough how that has really rocked the foundation of New Zealand. And seeing the response that everyone has had here, the solidarity, the inclusiveness, um, how everyone has joined together to say, no, 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 there aren't. Muslim Kiwis and Kiwis, we're all just Kiwis. We're all part of the same community and this is not okay. And to see how quickly the politicians were able to pretty much unanimously get together and say, we've seen that not addressing this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We've seen that the approach that the U.S. is taking clearly isn't solving anything. So we're going to try something different with hopes that it does make a difference. And I am so impressed with the speed of that response and with how, how much everyone has embraced that, that, um, that has really made an impact. And we're like, yes, we made the right decision because those conversations at the schools had impacted us so much that to see a different response other than arm the teachers, metal detectors, fortify the schools, you know, that's been a huge polarizing debate. Every the polarizing time. debate. That, yeah. There's always the polarizing debate. And instead in New Zealand, it's brought the people together. It really has. And and to be, I mean, there there are the people who are saying, you know, you'll never get my guns, yada, yada. There are those people out there. But the common sense and the sense of, of community is so much louder and so much stronger here. It has really made an impression. And um and I don't think, and I don't think that can really be emphasized enough. Just how how there isn't that numbness to an active shooting here. How people realize that it really is something that needs to be addressed. It's a tragedy. 
um, you know, I see online all of the little snippets about what thoughts and prayers didn't work, you know, and people are being sarcastic and that's really a knock to the US, but it's, it's also this huge compliment to New Zealand. Right. So super impressed. And with one that. of those really big signs that you are doing the right thing and you are with the right people in the Absolutely. right place. Absolutely. Because that was, that was such a trigger issue for us and something that even when things seem to be drawing us back to the U.S. as we went through this, you know, year and a half long process of actually getting here, um, you know, there were so many things that could have sucked us back in and it could have been very easy and very comfortable to stay, you know, in our community. But that was something that, I mean, my husband and I literally were like, there's no way we're sending our kids to these schools. And that was something that propelled us forward. And then for this to happen, I mean, we've been here for about 10 months, so we're still relatively new, but for, for, so for this to happen so soon after we landed and then to see the response, we're like, oh my gosh, this is sanity. This is, you know, how we would want to see a response to this issue. Um, this is really what you want to teach just, your children. Right, right, exactly. So number one, you know, this shouldn't be something that you're afraid of. Number two, you know, being part of a community, an inclusive community is something that we value and we want to instill in our kids. Um, and, and three, New Zealand is such a multicultural place. I saw a statistic once where, something like 40% of the people in Auckland weren't born here and something like 25% of the people in New Zealand were born elsewhere. I mean, there's such, and people are from everywhere. It's incredible. The diversity that's here. I mean, you go to the, the park and you'll hear eight different languages as you're walking down the road. It's wonderful. And it's amazing. And because of all of those different perspectives and all of these different people having to work together, you know, it shows when there's a crisis situation like this. And it's awesome. It's so amazing to see. Everyone, a lot of people have chosen to be there and they're all in. Yeah, they really are. They really are. I mean, when you're kind of stuck down in the corner of the world where there's no one else, you have to be. So, yeah. but, but everyone's a neighbor here. Everyone's a friend, more or less. There's always exceptions to these, but it's been such a welcoming experience. It's been great. So if you're thinking of moving here, come with an open heart and an open mind. Be nice to everyone. It is a small country. Everyone knows everyone else. So you can't piss anyone off because it will come back to you. Um, and be prepared for some crazy adventures. I mean, you just, new, new things happen when you move to a new place and it's pretty wild. I'm sold. <laughs> Come, come visit. It's amazing. It really is. It's, it's, it's this wonderful little piece of the world. That's it for my talk with Madeline. Now I want to hear from you. Are you as sold on New Zealand as I am? What other places are you considering? What questions do you have about moving abroad or traveling for an extended period of time with your family? I would love to know so that I can make episodes that are relevant and interesting to you. Please click on the link in the show notes at bigdreamsboldmoves.com slash 003 to take my quick three-question survey so I can find the guests that speak to your big dreams. And thank you for hanging out with me today. Until next time, keep dreaming those big dreams and scheming bold moves. <laughs>